on RTHK. AM, FM, and live online. This is Radio 3. Morning and happy Tuesday. It's 8.03 in Hong Kong on the 12th of July. This is Peter Lewis with Money Talk on Radio 3. Latest figures from the United Nations show that the population of India will overtake that of China next year. India will become the world's most populous country with 1.4 billion people. More than half the growth in the world's population over the next 30 years will occur in just eight countries, India, Pakistan and the Philippines, along with five African countries. China, with one of the lowest fertility rates in the world, will see its population start to decline next year, much earlier than previously thought. Streets in Macau were largely empty on Monday, with all casinos and other non-essential businesses shut on the first day of a week-long suspension, as the gambling hub raced to contain a growing COVID outbreak. Residents were ordered to stay at home unless they needed to buy daily supplies, get tested for COVID, or were deemed to be essential workers. China's credits jumped much more than expected last month to 5.2 trillion yuan, that's about 900 billion US dollars, the highest on record for June. And global stock markets began the week in negative territory, pulled down by fresh concerns about COVID-19 in China and rising inflation and interest rates in the US. The FTSE All World Index of developed and emerging markets fell 1.3% Monday, leaving it almost 21% below last November's all-time high. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by James Wong at Lead Securities and John Schofield of Tempest Investment, giving us his thoughts on the latest developments in Hong Kong's COVID restrictions is Alan Zeman, chairman of the Lang Kwai Fong Group. And if you want to get in touch, you know the drill by now. Text 6393-5925, email moneytalk at rthk.hk. Take a look at our Facebook page. Lots of information there, Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3, or tweet us at Money Talk Radio 3. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. On Wall Street yesterday, stocks and government bond yields tumbled and the dollar surged. Ahead of the start of the second quarter earnings season, the S&P 500 fell 1.2% to 3,854. The Dow closed 164 points, or half a percent lower, at 31,173. And the Nasdaq broke a five-day winning streak, its best run of the year, sliding 2.3% to 11,373. Twitter plunged over 11% after Elon Musk pulled out of the deal to buy the company. In Europe, the regional stock 600 index dropped half a percent. The UK's FTSE 100 was unchanged. Hong Kong and Chinese A-shares slumped Monday amid a flare-up in COVID cases in Shanghai, a lockdown of Macau and regulatory fines for Alibaba, Tencent and Bilibili. Investors are also waiting for crucial economic data from China this week, including trade data tomorrow and second quarter GDP, along with retail sales, industrial production and fixed asset investment numbers on Friday. The Hang Seng Index fell by the most in a month. It tumbled 602 points, or 2.8%, to 21,124. 
The tech index dropped 3.9%. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite slipped 1.3% to 3,314. Chinese tech stocks fell sharply after the mainland's antitrust watchdog fined companies, including Alibaba and Tencent, for not properly reporting past transactions. Tencent sank almost 3%, while Alibaba weakened 5.8%. In the commodities markets, Brink crude oil this morning down 0.6% at $106.41 a barrel. Gold is off half a percent at $1,734 an ounce. And in the bond markets, the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury note fell 10 basis points to 2.98%. And the yield curve remains inverted, with the yield on the two-year note slipping 5 basis points to 3.07%. And that leaves it higher than the 10-year yield, which is a signal of an imminent recession. And the U.S. dollar index, which tracks the U.S. currency against a basket of six others, rose 1.2% to a fresh 20-year high. It was sent higher by the weak euro, which slid closer to parity against the dollar. The single currency slipped 1.4% to a two-decade low of $1 and about half a cent. The Japanese yen fell 1% to a fresh 24-year low against the dollar of 137.4. Sterling is over 1% weaker at $1.19 and 9 Hong Kong dollars and 34 cents. The Chinese yuan is at 6.72 in offshore markets. And Bitcoin is down almost 7% and has slipped below $20,000. It's trading right now at $19,900. And let's take a look around Asia-Pacific markets as they open up for this Tuesday in Australia. Uh, the SX200 up 0.6%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 off 1% shortly after the open. The Cosby in South Korea down 0.6%. And futures markets pointing to a loss of 150 points for the Hang Seng at the open later on this morning. Times 8.09. Let's welcome our guests over in the Queensway studio. We have John Schofield, Managing Director at Tempest Investments. Morning, John. Hello, good morning, Peter. And also with us is James Wong, Chief Investment Officer and Managing Director at Lead Securities. Morning, James. Good morning, Peter. Um, so let's start having a look at the markets, uh, global stock markets, as you heard there, beginning in <coughs> negative territory. Um, James, let me start with you. Market sentiment in recent weeks, it's it swung, really, hasn't it, between a recognition that central banks are going to need to raise interest rates aggressively to combat surging inflation, but then um, a rather more forward-looking view is that all this monetary tightening... Um, is going to cause a global economic slowdown. Which one do you think will win out or, or are both going to happen at the same time, maybe? I think the, the market thinks it's, it's going to happen or they, they change their minds every day or every two days. Yeah, we can see last week is a good example of how traders in the States are uh, treating all these uh, matters in the uh, macro environment. Uh, one, I think before Wednesday, you can see there was a very apparent uh, recession trade in the States. So they think the recession is imminent. They think the uh, because of the recession, inflation is going to peak and Fed uh, is going to not 
uh, hike that much, and then the rate is down, the terminal rate is down, the 10-year, two-year is down. So uh, when the rate is down, the risk sensitive uh, growth stocks or tech stocks are good. So that was the logic for the first three days in the United States uh, last week. And then for the last two days, uh, for Thursday and Friday of last week, you can see the recession trade turns into a growth rebound trade. So people are thinking, oh, the economy is not that bad, especially with the numbers of the uh, jobs market on Friday. Uh, or before the Friday numbers come out, people are having a positive or more optimistic uh, expectation on the numbers. So then they, 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 they might think uh, the, the economy is not that bad and uh, Fed might ri- raise uh, rate uh, continuously. And uh, But since the economy is not, is not that bad, the, uh, the, the ones, the stocks that, are, that were shorted most in the past are getting a bit, and uh, they think the growth stocks is still having some steam left. So you can see the rates rises with the stock stock prices. But I think the uh, the bull or uh, the the bull or the bear mentality changes uh, wildly and and swiftly uh, in the states uh, in the, in the U.S. <laughs> equity market. Mm. John, I mean, what do, you, what do you think about this? I mean, that, that jobs report in particular, it was a bit of a, yeah. a poison chalice, wasn't it, for the markets? Because on the one hand, much better than expected, which suggests the economy isn't going to slip into recession. But then at the same time, means the Fed's more likely to raise interest rates by another 75 basis points uh, later this month. Um, yes, I think, well, it's incumbent on the Fed to maintain a steady course, I think, whatever. Um, we seem to have this uh, monthly cycle uh, Monthly or six-week trading cycle, where you know we get a we get a sell-off, then there's a bit of a rebound on some some uh, some small piece of, of good news and so on. But this is very typical of a of a bear market. Um, we're probably in the middle phase of a bear market uh, mm. in my my sort of crude road roadmap, and that involves several months of you know volatile trading in in all asset classes. Um, you know, I think. By the time we get to September or, or, or thereabouts, and typically at the end of the third quarter, we will see the markets make a, a decision um, based, obviously, on, on what happens in the meantime with the, with the real economic numbers, either to either to really start to recover uh, properly, or we may have to have another uh, another sell-off before we reach rock bottom. James, you, you made the, the, the valid point that um, you know the markets just can't seem to make up their minds. One day stocks are up, then they're down sharply. Similarly with bond yields. But the one thing that isn't changing, regardless of what stocks and bonds do, is the dollar. It just seems to be going up and up and up at the exactly. moment. And the yen and the euro in particular are just crashing to, to multi-year lows. Why is that? Uh, I think it's got something to do with M2 money supply in the States. Uh, the, back in 20, uh, in 2008, there was the first amount of helicopter money being distributed in the monetary system. And then we've seen M2 growth annual, annually about uh, 6% for the next 12 years until February of 2020. But in, in this period of time, 6% of growth matches the long-term trend of M2 in the States and matches the GDP growth in the States. So during this period of 12 years, we see the DXY uh, increased by about 40%. But then came the pandemic. Just to explain to listeners, the DXY, that's the US dollar index, which measures the value of the US currency against a basket of, of others. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, carry on, James. Yeah. Then, then, then there came uh, the pandemic, and uh, people are having a problem surviving. So the government and the Fed are <clears throat> sending out free money. Uh, so for the first, I think it's justified for the first uh, nine or ten months. But then, uh, in early 2021, uh, in January and March, uh, the uh, government staff sending out sending out checks again, and then more, more and more M2 supplies. So from 2020, uh, from March of 2020 up until uh, the March of 2021, the M2 supply growth. Uh, is about 17%. That's three times the long-term trend. And mm. uh, the, because giving out money is so popular uh, with the people, so the government just keeps going. Just uh, So both administration have seen one uh, checks or one times of uh, M2 supply uh, going out. Uh, so, but, but then uh, with Fed reversing its course and so quickly right now and uh, probably more uh, more tightening uh, and uh, rate hikes in the future, uh, the the um, M2 supply is going to be going from the 17% annual growth back to 6% or even lower uh, for uh, long-term trend growth. So in, in, with, it, with, with this in mind, I, I just don't think uh, the US, US dollar index is going anywhere lower and any time soon until Fed pivots. John, I suppose the next test for the markets, it, it comes this week, doesn't it? Second quarter earnings season kicks off. Yeah. The big bank will <coughs> report uh, later on this week. Um, do you think, although stocks are obviously a lot cheaper than they were now, they are now than at the beginning of the year, do you think analysts have priced in enough just how much earnings could potentially slow down? Um, I, I suspect we'll see a fairly uh, spotty picture, and some 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 earnings will will probably disappoint. Um, what I see the, the exp one of the um, benefits of higher interest rates was meant to be uh, higher profits for for the banking sector, and, and I'm not sure that's actually coming through as as expected. Partly because the Fed's been so slow, I think, to to raise the, the shorter. Uh, interest rates and catch up, but in terms of the the dollar strength you're talking about, I mean clearly we've got you've got all these these uh, interest rate differentials now quite high. That's that's one thing that's driven uh, the yen weakness, for example. Um, I mean ECB still has virtually zero in interest rates, so the euro, which is 50% of that index you, you were referring to earlier, um, <clears throat> is obviously uh, extremely weak. Um, Going forward, uh, I think um, the other thing to watch is the Fed's balance sheet because all that um, balance sheet was doubled from 4.5 trillion to very close to nine trillion dollars in a very short period of time in in about nine months uh, from March uh, 2020 in the COVID panic, um, and that's what that's what led to the you know inflation of all these uh, highly speculative assets. Um, with, with uh, you know, crypto meme stocks uh, and tech stocks with with little or no earnings, um, you know, and that's that started to um, peak. The Fed balance sheet very starts started very slowly to to come down, and um, that's an important part of the policy. How quickly are they going to? How quickly they want? Because. The quicker they have QT, uh, the more likely damage that that's going to do in the short term to um, to the stock market. Um, okay. Uh, Let me ask you both about China. Um, 
First of all, I want to ask, ask you about the, the fund flows um, in, in the market on the mainland. The, the Institute of International Finance said June actually um, uh, global emerging markets saw their worst capital outflows in seven years. But what was interesting was China. Big outflows from Chinese bonds, about $4 billion, $4 billion last month. Big inflows from overseas investors into Chinese uh, stocks, about $9.1 billion. Uh, in uh, in total, um, these are significant moves, aren't they? What, what what's going on here? Yeah, I think people have been tempted by um, uh, there's been quite a lot of bottom fishing in, in China stocks. Um, you know, as as people well, certainly the uh, uh, the declared a truce uh, on the tech stock clampdown, although. That doesn't necessarily seem to be honoured as of yesterday. So, and, and again, you had very, uh, very oversold stock market and, uh, and quite a nice rally there, which um, tempted people in um, when they could see a few similar opportunities elsewhere. I suspect that too now has kind of, you know, come to a come to a, come to a bit of a halt, and we're going to again see a, a trading range or even a pullback mm-hmm. uh, over the next few months. James, what's the key now to sentiment? Because it got a bit hit yesterday, didn't it, by the news of this further uh, COVID outbreak in Shanghai, the lockdowns in Macau, and then also these fines uh, for the tech, uh, for some of the big tech companies. Um, What's the key to market sentiment going forward? I think economic data, uh, we've had, uh, we we will be seeing GDP data and we will be seeing the the, uh, credit impost data, I think, on the 18th or 19th of, of July for June. Uh, so these these two data are very important to us. Like we've said it before, uh, if you have a annual uh, change, uh, 12-month change on credit impulse uh, from turning from negative to positive, you have about a three-month window to enter the market with minimum drawdown and maximum upside. So that's what the, one of the data we were, we were looking at very closely. And, uh, we did we, have some credit data overnight, didn't yeah. we? China's credit jumped a lot more than expected, 5.2 yeah. trillion on um, that's the highest on record for June yeah uh, that, that's why we are expecting a, uh, a turning from negative to positive on China credit impulse in June uh, for the 12-month change we've looked at the main number for uh, for the total social borrowing and the China credit market uh, China credit impulse data there were some discrepancies the uh, it, it, it appears that China credit impulse is a leading indicator on credit markets so we're expecting that to happen to the the China credit impulse to turn from negative to positive in in, uh, in June, which we will be seeing about a week from now, and in, even in May, we've had a pretty dismal uh, uh, credit uh, 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 social total social borrowing figures. But then, if you look at the China credit impulse numbers, the the, the yearly change on that number is only negative point zero one percent, which is not bad at all. So, so mm. we're having some hope for those uh, data to come out. John, obviously a big day on Friday, isn't it, for, for China data? We have second quarter GDP. We also have retail sales, industrial production, fixed asset investments. What are you looking out for in that data in particular? Um, yeah, I think, well, we're expecting strong fixed asset uh, uh, production, obviously, as we know that um, you know, infrastructure projects and so on are being... Uh, being stimulated, um, I think retail sales could be very important because uh, uh, of uh, you know the effect of, con- of the lockdowns on on consumer com- com- um, confidence and, uh, mm. and 
sort of thing. Okay, great. Well, thank you both very much. Have a good day. Speak to you soon. That's John Schofield, Managing Director at Tempest Investment. James Wong, who's Chief Investment Officer and Managing Director at Lead Securities. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Eight twenty-two. On the phone now is Alan Zeman, chairman of the Lankwai Fong Group. Good morning, Mr. Zeman. Good morning. Um, let me ask you first of all. Now, now that we're in the second half of the year, um, the COVID situation seems largely stable, although a little bit of a pickup at the moment. But we've had a lot of pandemic restrictions removed now. How is business looking? Is business picking up for your uh, clients, your tenants? Um, in, in, basically, uh, it has. Uh, up until uh, they put the rat test on for the bars, uh, mm. the people have to have a rat test uh, before entering a bar, and that's caused a lot of problems in slowdowns uh, in a lot of my, from a lot of my tenants. Uh, but uh, restaurants in general are okay, uh, although there is a slowdown in summer, and usually pe- a lot of people have now with the new restrictions uh, being lifted uh, to some extent. There's a lot of people have. Uh, have left uh, Hong Kong just for summer holidays, and uh, so so it's we'll see we'll see where it goes at the moment. But uh, it's a very fast changing mm. city at the moment with all the new restrictions coming out. How does it compare to pre-pandemic times in terms of business? Pre-pandemic times, you're down probably about ten fifteen percent. So still quite, um, well, quite yes, significant uh, for many. And, and presumably the outlook really going forward depends upon just how we handle the next wave of COVID, which you just almost feel is inevitable, isn't it? If infections do pick up again, what do you recommend the government should do? Should we reimpose restrictions, uh, which will probably include I think, bars I think and restaurants? We have a new health minister, uh, uh, Lo Chung Mao. It's a very, very, very well-respected doctor in the world, the first liver transplant doctor. Mm. Uh, and... Uh, he has a very, uh, I've worked with him for, I sat on board a sanitarium hospital with him for four years, and uh, he's actually very, very bright. And I, I do believe that uh, the way forward, uh, the number one thing for Hong Kong to get back, because uh, we've really lost a lot of our reputation abroad at the moment. We've got to win that back. We've got to uh, look at the quarantine. Uh, uh, the, we've got to open the international quarantine as quickly as we can to start to get uh, uh, people coming back again. You know, we've had no, virtually no tourism uh, for, for almost uh, four years now. And, uh, and then opening the border with China as well. And, and there's just, there work, I know the government's working on that at the moment, and hopefully we should some good results uh, talking about hopefully uh, more uh, home home, uh, quarantine rather than uh, hotel quarantine, maybe uh, three plus uh, four, three days at home and and, and three days in a hotel and four days at home, uh, or five and two. Uh, We've we've got to loosen up. We've got to start to open up. Omicron uh, is in the fifth wave and it is increasing but we can see the, in, the infection is not as as as, as severe as, as as delta was mm. and so uh there's you know they, they're and now talking about the new quarantine um, restrictions regarding uh, changing your leave home staff this is leave home safe app now to uh 
going with uh, this color-coded system of, of mm. uh, red. And, and what do you make of that from a business perspective, the, these three proposals, real name, registration, wristbands, the three-color health code? Um, do you support that as a, as a businessman and from a business uh, perspective? You know, if, if we can't, if we can't open uh, with, you know, as as other places in the world have opened now with uh, just living with it and and having these uh, restrictions, uh, we are part of China, and that is the uh, we're not following 100 percent. We are one country, two systems. But uh, I think that uh, um, I, I do support. Let's just move on with it. I, I think that uh, we we as long as we can get the international board open, if we can drop. Uh, the the day, three day the uh, quarantine to three days in a hotel, mm. or, and and eventually and then or six or seven days of home quarantine or even five days home quarantine. We're now moving to PCR tests, which are much more accurate than rat than, than uh, the rat tests. And so I think that uh, with that, that will give the government confidence and the health department confidence to. Uh, get this under control. And presumably if we have all these new ways now of identifying people early who have COVID, th there shouldn't be any reason why we can't at least move to quarantine at home uh, now, which presumably would um, which would make people more encouraged to come back to the city. I think that's what they're working on at the moment. And I hope sooner than later. Uh, you know, I, I can see that, uh, you know, they're trying to come up with a system that will keep Hong Kong safe and open up the, the, uh, the borders. Uh, both, and we can see the amount of people that have want to go to China. They've just increased the quota to 2,000 people a day. And you can see the lineup that was just uh, this past weekend uh, at the border. And so, mm -hmm. and so uh, we've got to really get back <laughs> as joining the rest of the world because uh, the world has moved on and they're not waiting for Hong Kong. And so really, if we really want to get back, because once people leave here, it's very difficult to get them back again. Once companies move, or, uh, it's very expensive to move a company from Hong Kong to mm -hmm. another jurisdiction. And then it's very hard to then pay money again to get them back. It's, so we've, we've got, you know, uh, listen, uh, President Xi was here, gave a, a lot of reassurance to Hong Kong. One country, two systems will will continue to go past 2047. Um, that was something he was very, very emphatic about that, that we have our own system. As long as China, one country comes first before two systems, but really enhancing and, and, and being the, uh, the kind of the front face uh, for China, you know, to the rest of the world. And, and, and uh uh, you know, so it's really, really important that we do list to that. We are an international financial center, and, uh, and China does not want us to lose that. Mm. Once this is over and our borders are reopened, that we have to admit there's been quite a lot of damage done, hasn't there, to Hong Kong's reputation and status as a, as a travel hub, a business hub, a financial center. Presumably we've got to do quite a lot of, of work to sort of re-engage with the international community here and overseas, re-market Hong Kong. Sure. Uh, what, what would you recommend the government does to, to help that and, and to, to achieve that? I think what's very, very important, uh, as they say in English, the proof is in the pudding. And basically, I think that uh, we really have to show the world that, uh, yes, we're not restricting. Uh, corporations need to bring executives out here. That's very, very important. They have not been able to do that for more than three years because nobody wants to go into quarantine, not executives that are here for a few days, uh, you know, on business. And, and, and we've got to – that's why the so important – 
for opening up the border and the borders, international borders and the Chinese border. And, 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 uh, and so I do believe if we can show that we're back on, uh, to the world, that, that we are now open, because we're, uh, many countries in the West are bad Hong Kong everywhere. I, you know, I speak to a lot of uh, business associates overseas. They think, my God, what's going on to Hong Kong? In mm-hmm. Hong Kong, the system's changing and all that. So we've got to show that it's not changing, that it's only going to get better and better. And as China goes, Hong Kong goes, you know, the strength of China. I do believe China will be the number one country in the world uh, instead of number two at the moment, uh, um, you know, in the, in the next five, ten years and Hong Kong will move along right with that. Mr. Zeman, thank you very much. Always a pleasure to talk to you. That's Alan Zeman, chairman of the Lan Kwai Fong Group. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, let's take another look at the markets for this morning before we go around um, Asia-Pacific region. In Australia, the ASX 200 bucking the trend, really. It's up about two-thirds of 1%. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is off about one and a quarter percent just half an hour after the open. The Cosby in South Korea slipping 0.9%. does look like the Hang Seng is going to take another fall, though, at the open of about 200 points in just under an hour's time. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Do stay tuned uh, to Radio 3. Coming up after the news is Back Chats with Jim Gould and Ada Wong. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. The weather forecast, fine. Very hot during the day once again. Maximum temperature around 35 degrees. The very hot weather warning is in force. And the outlook is for it to be mainly fine and very hot in the next couple of days as well. Sun intervals and a few showers in the latter part of this week. The temperature right now is 30 degrees and it's 78% relative humidity. Time's 8.32. Here's Andy Shrosky with the Half Hour News. Thank you, Peter. A prominent virologist has warned of threats on the horizon, saying the current COVID infection wave hasn't peaked. Professor Malik Paris from the University of Hong Kong says the highly transmissible Omicron BA.5 variant is circulating here and has led to an increased hospitalization overseas. He welcomed plans to introduce electronic wristbands for COVID patients isolating at home, saying such technological approaches could possibly be used in future if home quarantine were to replace hotel quarantine for inbound travelers. The use of uh, some of these technological approaches, I think, is uh, that makes sense in order to strengthen the home quarantine, home isolation measures, and presumably maybe extended uh, also to, to returning travelers in due course. President Biden has introduced the first images to be shown publicly from the James Webb Telescope, the largest and most powerful ever launched into space. The telescope's infrared capability allows it to peer through cosmic clouds and dust to detect light from the earliest stars. It's a new window into the history of our universe. And today we're going to get a glimpse of the first light to shine through that window. Light from other worlds, orbiting stars far beyond our own. Light where stars were born and from where they die. Light from the oldest galaxies, the oldest documented light in the history of the universe from over 13 billion years ago. Britain's governing Conservative Party has set out the rules and timetable for the contest to replace Boris Johnson as both the party leader and the country's prime minister. In order to enter the race, each of the 11 candidates will have to be nominated by 20 Conservative lawmakers. Here's our UK correspondent, Gavin Gray. 
They're trying to simplify the process, but more than that, they're trying to speed it up. Because at the moment, there are 11 leadership candidates, but here we are just a quarter to midnight on Monday. And basically, the, uh, the whole process is open to other candidates joining in uh, in the next 24-hour period. So they have to uh, uh, submit their, uh, their candidacy um, by the close of play on Tuesday in UK time. So that could mean there are actually more than 11. It is rumoured that possibly 12 or 13 might be the finishing number. And the man who wrote the theme tune for the James Bond films, Monty Norman, has died. He was 94. The BBC's Vincent Dowd looks back at his career. Monty Norman's writing career began in the brash world of 50s British musicals. I never had it so good since the day I was born. In his 20s, Monty Norman worked as a band singer. In 1961, he wrote a stage musical called Bell. One of the backers was film producer.